Hello and welcome to the podcast of the Lotus Eaters for the 6th of December 2023. I am joined by Stelios and Harry. Hello um, there. <laughs> I think you mixed us. No, I know what I did. Okay, okay. Don't, don't correct me. All right. Harry. No. Let's, let's okay, not with all of that northern that attitude, okay? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. We know you're a rowdy northerner and you don't like us soft southerners. But okay, okay. No. And I as a continental. Course, <laughs> of course, it's, it's Stelios here looking like the anesthetologist or whatever. <laughs> Um, that we never knew we needed. No, Stelios is Harry. about to sell you a dodgy insurance policy. What do you want to? Yes, about? I Maybe have also play. a tie with, that plays music. <laughs> Getting into the festive spirit today. If you yes. haven't noticed, there, there you go. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm here it will too. stop in about an hour. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to hope you don't mind the music in the background. <laughs> but um, also, um, thank you very much to the person who sent in the. the custom-made space marines as you can see on camera we've each uh, got our own sort of equivalent of ourselves here very flattering um i don't think i'm in quite as good shape as that i've got but, little um, ari here i'm gonna put mine back in the box i keep so. him for protection but uh thank you for whoever did that i'm gonna pop those down there it feels like blue peter doesn't it and popping stuff under the table here also, uh, thank you to whoever sent us the cookies. I'm doing a lot of thanking today. Put that cookie down. Didn't want to mispronounce that. Some, somebody sent um, us an amazing selection of gingerbread biscuits with some lovely icing on them. And I will admit, I have already overindulged. How many was it, Harry? Four. Four. Four, four cookies. They're really tasty. <laughs> they're really You've tasty. got a strong endorsement from Harry. I've uh, saved myself, so I haven't tried them yet. Honestly, thank you. the gingerbread on this is some of the best I've ever had it. <laughs> soft it wasn't dry at all it melted in your mouth oh it's amazing i've also tried four and i <laughs> definitely <laughs> did you get a taste for them it. after four yeah and uh, if you read of my if colleagues. you don't want to eat them i can help <laughs> I've, I've saved a couple for afterwards you're but... watching the podcast of the fat bastards <laughs> <laughs> i'm getting there <laughs> yeah. preparing for christmas anyway i suppose we may as well actually do what we came here for um which is, uh, oh yeah. Which is talk about Right Said Fred. Yeah, that's we're doing a whole hour on it. But no, um, tomorrow afternoon, uh, the lads hour, we've got Right Said Fred coming in and we're going to be talking about music because they are, you know, British music icons and we have a very musical office. Should I bring my guitar in? Uh, bring a little uh, speaker in? Yeah, that, that, that sounds like a good idea. I'll rip a solo. You bring your guitar, I'll bring my guitar. And have a rock off like in Tenacious D. Yes. Right. You know that bit in Crossroads where Steve Vai has a guitar off, the guitar jewel with mm-hmm. the like little Mexican boy? You can be the Mexican boy. That's always what I've wanted to be deep down. <laughs> but anyway, um, we're going to be talking about the media talking about Trump being a dictator. Um, Harry's going to be talking about the NHS teaching people about genies. Evil um, genies. Evil genies, not good genies. That's a very important caveat. Um, and Stelios is going to talk about uh, race grifters saying that white people are demons. Yeah, and speaking Latin only. Really? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you, you genuinely fooled me. I, I thought you were being serious. Well, I, I suppose I may as well get on to uh, Trump then. So I think Trump has been polling very well recently, which is great to see. I I think uh, of all of the the presidential nominees, he's obviously the best. Um, You know, being quite libertarian inclined, he's not uh, ideal for me, but I also think he's going to do a lot of good stuff. So it's good to see him doing well. I want him to succeed. I want America to do well because I think they deserve it. And um, 
this has now defined the sort of per- political paradigm within the media. Um, they've all realized, hey, he can win, actually. And all of this smearing, saying he's an insurrectionist, all these terrible things, um, none of it stuck. And I wanted to talk about all of the articles that have come out with particular focus on one by a gentleman by the name of Robert Kagan. Um, here he is, uh, is a Washington Post profile, who was a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution, um, editor-at-large for the Washington Post, and he's written some books. Um, but many people will be familiar with him. He's been a, a creature of the American political establishment for some time. And it's worth pointing out as well, as Glenn Greenwald did, I was unaware of this, that he is married to Victoria Newland, who is uh, the Undersecretary of State for Political Affairs in the White House. So he's a completely neutral observer commenting yes. from the sidelines. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's completely... There's no effective. skin in this game. To be fair, his, his um, analysis of the, the lay of the land politically, I agreed with it. It's just um, his, his understanding of Trump's motives and what he wants that was wrong. Like he's saying that actually Trump stands a good chance and a lot of people are being delusional in saying that he won't. And actually none of the stuff that people are throwing at him has stuck because his followers don't believe us. So that, that's actually not a bad line. And the article was very, very long, but I did find it an interesting read, even though I didn't necessarily agree with the sentiment. So um, if you're unfortunate enough to pay for the Washington Post, go check it out. But I'm going to be reading some extracts from it. But um, it is worth mentioning as well, in 2016, he wrote this, which uh, he's clearly not carried on with this line. This is how fascism comes to America. And of course, um, we're quite a few years on from this and America is still yet to be fascist. So that didn't really age Get there especially eventually, well. boys. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> like they want it to happen, isn't it? Um, but this is the article that I wanted to talk about. A Trump dictatorship is increasingly inevitable. We should stop pretending. And uh, this, this has come out with um, suspiciously good timing to that documentary, the net uh, is it was it BBC Two actually that about they, Caesar, yeah, about Caesar, where they're comparing him to Donald Trump. Yeah, the rhetoric was really anachronistic about Caesar. They're like, he's coming to destroy the republic, and actually, Caesar was persecuted by his enemies, which forced his hand in in having to defend himself. I mean, if if the current American establishment would like to compare themselves to the totally not corrupt Roman Republic, mm-hmm. I mean, fair play, it says a lot. Yeah, it's, it's not the uh, own that they think it is, really. So I'm going to read from this. Um, please humor my reading voice. I've, I've got a little bit of a cold, so if it's especially nasally, uh, my, my heartfelt condolences. So it starts with, Let's stop the wishful thinking and face stark reality. There is a clear path to dictatorship in the United States, if you've been eating crayons. Um, and it is getting shorter every day. In 13 weeks, Donald Trump will have locked up the Republican nomination. Notice the sleight of hand language here. Not locked in, locked up. Um, in the real clear politics poll average um, from the period of the 9th of November to the 20th, Trump leads his nearest competitor by 47 points and leads the rest of the field combined by 27 points. The idea that he is unelectable in general elections is nonsense. He is tied or ahead of President Biden in all of the latest polls, stripping other Republican challenges of their own stated reason for existence. The fact that many Americans might prefer other candidates, much ballyhooed, um, <laughs> which I, I find a funny choice of word, by such political sages as Karl Rove, who I don't know, will soon become irrelevant uh, when millions of Republican voters turn out to choose the person whom no one allegedly wants. I mean, 
although the tone is a bit off, is that what he's actually said here is a pretty reasonable read of the situation so far. That well, the he, other other Republicans don't really have a, a purpose because Trump's obviously the favourite, and Trump's also polling better than Biden and stands a good chance. He is right in a certain sense with the tone that he's approached here, which is um, that he is cutting <clears> through <throat> the propaganda that put outlets like the Washington Post want to put forward to the American public constantly, which is that Trump, uh, well, obviously he's still saying that Trump is an evil dictator. That part's obviously not what I agree with. But, but he's also saying that, um, you know, that we constantly get reports of how everybody hates Trump. We're always, we're never going to get Trump again. Democracy has been safeguarded against those like Trump. Whereas he's saying, okay, let's cut the crap for a second. He's actually probably going to do very well. Yeah. And... I think that they've had a bit of a wake-up call in the sort of inner circle because you could definitely class him as being within that. I mean, being married to someone who is uh, in the Biden White House. I mean, that's difficult to argue with. And it skips ahead and then it goes on to say, Trump will thus enter the general election campaign early next year with momentum backed by growing political and financial resources and an increasingly unified party. Can this, the same be said of Biden? Is Biden's power likely to grow over the coming months? Will this party unify around him, or will alarm and doubt among Democrats already high continue to increase? Even at this point, the president is struggling with double-digit double digit defection sorry, among black Americans and young voters. Jill Stein and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. have already launched respectively third-party and independent campaigns, coming at Biden um, in the main from the populist left. The decision by uh, Senator Joe Manchin um, not to run for election in West Virginia, but instead contemplate a third party run for presidency is potentially devastating. The Democratic coalition is likely to remain fractious as the Republicans unify and Trump consolidates his hold, which I actually think is exactly what's going to happen here. So, you know, it's weird that this delusional article that says democracy is in danger, um, Trump's going to take over, which I don't think he could or will, even if he wanted to. I will say, I think that the... Um discussion of black voters in America is interesting because mm -hmm. I've looked into this a bit recently and it seems from what I've seen from what I've seen that polling has shown that black Americans are saying larger numbers than they previously had that up to about 20% of the eligible voters uh, representative of course 20% um, of a representative sample of black American voters are thinking that they might not vote for the Democrats th uh, this next election which is a ridiculous number for black Americans mm -hmm. but a, uh, mainly because they feel that the Democrats aren't getting what they want. And also, a lot of the younger parts of those demographics are saying that they are identifying a little bit. And this is the actual, what they were saying about it. Uh, they were identifying with Trump as this persecuted man where the entire establishment is against him. They see themselves in that. But there is also the constant difference that you must take between polls and the reality of when it comes to voting. Because a lot of these polls might be coming out and uh, the Democrats could pull it back mm -hmm. before now and between now and then. And also, it might just be that they're saying that right now to try and get the Democrat machine to start ramping up the rhetoric more in their favor again. Because I think, on average, something like 94 to 96% of black America always votes Democrat habitually. Mm -hmm. Those are all good points. And it is also worth mentioning as well that um, obviously there has been a sort of crisis in political polling and things like that. But... Um, it's quite often that it's got a leftward drift in the polls. And actually, the real voting intentions are more rightward. And the, the theory is that people are more comfortable expressing a, a left-wing opinion when interviewed, but are more likely to vote right-wing 
in the ballot box as a sort of general trend. That is so interesting. But hopefully that is the is effect it, going on. It, it's, it's kind of the opposite of what I was describing there, but I understand what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I want to say two things here, because on the one hand, it's not weird that people like that would write articles saying that, you know, unless you vote for us, the world is going to end. But on the other hand, I think that uh, you could say that this is one of the elements within the Democrat Party, you know, sphere, who are trying to say that Biden is too old to run again. And they're trying to say that, you know, if he runs... He will lose and all these bad things are going to happen and the world is going to end. And just uh, to remind people, there was a lot of um, panicking in the newspapers about uh, Trump's um, first four years. And there were a lot of them were saying that there was going to be something like a world war or something. So... You know, well, you, the opposite happened. The There's... exact opposite happened. And they were constantly saying that... Uh, the Democrats were going to have a more peaceful and stable world. And I think that the uh, that uh, they have communicated an image of weakness to some people, okay? So it seems yeah. that some Democrats understand this and, and they don't want Biden to run again. And they're trying to tell themselves also that... Mm-hmm. You know, as they say, their democracy dies in darkness and that the world is going I hate to, that slogan. to end. I know. So... You shouldn't run again. That's uh, what well, I think he is trying to do as well. To, to round because up. he's specifically focusing on, on Biden and he is saying again oh, yeah. that he is not doing this well. This is an in-party call for the Democrats to rally themselves to a more effective mm-hmm. campaign for 2024. This is not him saying that he hopes that Trump wins. It's him saying, we need to do better. That's, that's what this is. That's why he's cutting through a lot of the um, hysterical propaganda while still making sure that this is a hysterical propaganda piece. Uh, but to round off my point, I have just remembered as well that given that democracy is a race to the bottom of who can give out the most free stuff, um, and the, the current democratic system, Stelios, in, especially in places like America, is uh, oftentimes a race to the bottom who can give out the most free stuff to minority demographics. I think one of the other things uh, I consider, I forgot to mention when considering why a lot of black Americans are saying in the polls that they are more favorable to Trump at the moment is because Trump was not a dictatorship. And in fact, during lockdown, what did Trump do? He gave a lot of people over $1,000 during the lockdowns. And he made sure to get his name stamped on each and every single one of those checks that went out. So a lot of black Americans and other minority demographics at the moment might be thinking to themselves, whether this comes out in the, in the actual voting or not, they might be thinking to themselves, well, Trump is the guy who gave me over $1,000 for, no, for nothing. I, I, want to, I have to say something here because I want to add this. I think that you're correct partly, and there is a kind of trajectory in democratic societies where in some cases you have a, a, a point in the in a cycle or a trajectory, for instance, where what you're saying happens. But there are cases where uh, people are voting out parties who want to increase spending. It happened, for instance, in Greece, in Argentina now. Just I've, just saying. I've got a lot to get through here. Yeah, of course. And I'm not actually trying to focus on voting intentions or anything like that. It, it's more I just about thought it was an tragedy. interesting thing to bring up. It, it, of course, yeah. It, and you're very much right as well. Um, so... It carries on to say well, he assumes that Trump's going to take office. And this is the part, the, the juicy bit that I wanted to get to. Um, so he's now Trump's taken office, imagine. And this is what he says about it. 
So what limits those um, presidential powers? I paraphrase that part. Um, the most obvious answer is the institutions of justice, all of which Trump, by his very election, will have defied and revealed as impotent. A court system which could not control Trump as a private individual is not going to control him better when he is president of the United States and appointing his own attorney general and the other top officials at the Justice Department. Think of the power of a man who gets himself elected president despite indictments, courtroom appearances, and even conviction. Uh, would he even obey a, a directive of the Supreme Court while well, he's appointed lots of Supreme Court justices? So why would they go after him? It's funny that, isn't it? That the Supreme Court is actually one of the few institutions that hasn't targeted him because it's not explicitly controlled by the Democrats. Or um, would he instead ask how many armored divisions the Chief Justice has? Will future Congress stop him? The President can, can accomplish a lot these days without congressional approval, even as Barack Obama showed. Um, uh, the one check Congress has on a rogue president, namely impeachment and conviction, has already proved all but impossible. Even when Trump was out of office, he wielded modest institutional power over his party. So they're trying to paint the fact that they can't hold Trump accountable, as they would put it. More, more um, sort of plain English-speaking way of putting it is they can't interfere with what the president wants to do, and therefore this is a threat to, to democracy, because of course democracy is synonymous with the democratic agenda because apparently the Republicans don't believe in democracy, even though there is no indication of that. But it carries on. I've only got a little bit left. Um, it is worth getting into Trump's head a bit and imagining his mood following an election victory. He will have spent the previous year and more fighting to stay out of jail, plagued by a myriad of persecutors and helpless to do what he likes to do best, exact revenge. Think of the fury that's built up inside him, a fury that from this point of view, he has worked hard to contain. Well, you're, you're really selling... Trump to me even more now. I could really, um, oh, where was I? As he once put it, I think I've been toned down. If you want to know the truth, I could really tone it up. And I personally would like to see that. Um, and indeed he could and will. We caught a glimpse of his deep thirst for vengeance in his Veterans Day promise to root out communist, Marxist, fascist, and radical left thugs that live like vermin within the confines of our country, lie, steal, and cheat on elections, and will do anything possible, whether legally or illegally, to destroy America and the American dream. That sounds great. You're not, you know, this is music to uh, anyone who actually cares about freedom's ears. Note the equation of himself with America and the American dream. It is um, he they are trying to destroy. He believes, as the president, he will return the favor. And so he should, in my opinion. And it goes on to say, this is the last part I'm going to read, because it's a very long article. Um, what will that look like? Trump has already named some of the sorts he intends to go after um, once he is elected. Senior officials from his first term, such, such as retired General John F. Kelly, um, General Mark Milley, former Attorney General William Barr, others who spoke against him after the 2020 election, officials in the FBI and CIA who investigated him in the Russiagate probe, um, Justice Department officials who refuses demands to overturn the 2020 election, members of the Jan Sik Committee, Democratic opponents, including Representative Adam B. Schiff and Republicans who voted for or publicly supported his impeachment and conviction. Um, so basically, um, people who are enemies of him. So it's a disaster for them, yes. not for the yeah. I would I would hope with this that he would also be looking to um, get some leniency for the, some of those who were supposedly involved in January sixth, who mm. were simply sharing memes who have recently been sent to prison over it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And I, I think that... I forget the name, but there is a particular person that happened to recently. I think he could have done more um, given the circumstances for them. At least um, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene have gone in and, and spoke to them and 
giving them gifts and tried to help them out a bit. Um, but then again, you know, maybe there's some sort of grand strategy that I'm not privy to that that might interfere with. It's, it's always difficult to tell. Um, but because I've spoken to some of the Jansik prisoners and interviewed them, uh, I, I see things from their perspective more so, I think. But um, he, he basically goes on to argue that the average person isn't going to intervene in this because it doesn't affect their daily lives, which I think is uh, a pretty accurate read on the situation. But he's making out that by Trump basically purging institutions to make them favorable to you know him it is his characterization of it. I would say that they were explicitly anti-right wing more generally because they'd been infiltrated with left wingers like they have in most Anglosphere countries. You get it where you know you've got a, a purportedly right wing government in the UK, and even when they do something sort of softly right wing, then the civil service rebel and just don't do it. I mean, you can't have those people in your institutions if you want to be a functioning country. You've got to get rid of these people. Um, because- I, I would say even even more so, than saying that this sort of thing is traitorous to the people of the country that you're supposed to be treat, um, uh, looking after, which it is. I'd say it's completely anti-civilizational. It's begging for the collapse of the civilization that you're supposed to be administering if you can't even do something as simple as, say, as, it, as we find in England, deport foreign criminals. Yes. And there's certainly an appetite for it. And the civil servants and the people in the regime are working behind the scenes to stop it. And that's, you know, even with the best will in the world, if there were genuine politicians who, with conviction, they're not going to be able to do very much um, because the entire institution is working against them. But um, yeah, he basically goes on to say that this is terrible. This will make a Trump. Trump a dictator, I would say that this is just the power that the UK Prime Minister has. Because basically what he's describing here is just the freedom to appoint people and fire ministers and well, the equivalent of ministers in the United States. So what they're painting as a dictatorship is just the powers of a Prime Minister in the UK. Um, it's not scary. This entire article is basically saying that the UK is a dictatorship, which um, it would be based if it were coming at it from my perspective, but it's not. I mean, most left-wing polemics of the past five to six years have been, won't somebody think of the deep state? <sighs> it's, it, it's terrible. And he's like, no one will lament all of these, these foreign, um, foreign agents. So oh, Freudian slip there. China Joe over here. Um, yeah, no one's going to care about them because they're just abstract names in a newspaper. They don't know them. They don't care. And, and somehow we're meant to care about this for some reason. And uh, it's, it's not something that normal people should care about. And um, lots of other outlets also picked up on this story. They're all trying to push this dictator line. And all of their arguments are terrible because, you know, having clearing out the swamp, draining the swamp, that was what he promised to do in 2016. He just was thwarted in doing so. And, you know, he's trying to deliver on that again. So here we have the Times. Trump's war on woke puts America on the path to dictatorship. Um, the fear of looming Trump dictatorship. This is uh, the Washington Post again. Um, here is The Hill. Trump allies fire back at media warnings of second term dictatorship. Um, Liz Cheney, hopes of Democratic win with US sleepwalking into dictatorship from The Guardian. Here's The Guardian again. A second Trump term will be far more autocratic than the first, he's telling us. Well, that's not what he said. He said that he's going to clear out the people who are abusing their, their station in government, is what he said. I think he has also explicitly said he'll give the death penalty to drug dealers. 
Yeah, but... <laughs> are you trying to say that there are people in the institutions that are drug dealers and, you know, the FBI and CIA? I've never heard that alleged before. I don't know what you could be talking about. This is preposterous. <laughs> I've never heard of that before. And um, apparently Donald Trump also promoted the Washington Post column, claiming uh, he'll be a Julius Caesar-esque dictator if he's re-elected. Sorry, that's also, that could also be interpreted as a threat to him. Well, that they're going to stab him. Well, I mean, Caesar, did, he didn't live long enough, mm -hmm. did he? But the funny thing is, Julius Caesar was persecuted into being, he was forced into taking these powers. You know, he did a lot to try and avoid having to do what he did. And his hand was forced because it was either give in to their demands and be imprisoned or killed or stick up for yourself. And if you're a man or a, you know, a self-respecting human being, that's no choice at all, is it? And uh, here we have... Uh, this, the spectator actually reporting on it reasonably. Trump's opponents still believe he's a dictator. That's, uh, you know, more objective journalism here. And um, it's worth mentioning as well um, that Biden, uh, when he assumed office, signed more executive orders than Donald Trump did in almost two months in his first week. That was 17 executive orders. This is an article I did where I broke down every single one. It's all the way back in January of 2021. And of course, executive orders are seen as the sort of dictatorial mode of presidency. And so it is funny that they're using this against uh, Trump when he was actually far more lax on this than Biden was. It's funny that, isn't it? It's, it's almost like it's that age old thing of the left accuses you of what they're doing. I mean, the, the iron law of leftist accusation. Well, I think there's a class of politicians who want to portray always threats to their interests as threats to the interests of the people. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the ways in which they try to act as if present themselves as indispensable in a particular society. So I think that's mm -hmm. the pattern here. And let's hear Trump's own words or hear them be read out, should I say. So Trump said, the Democrats' disinformation machine, I turned into Mike Tyson there, is hard at work trying to sell the American public that President Donald J. Trump, referring to himself in third person, is a threat to democracy. No, the only threat to democracy is incompetence and ineptitude of crooked Joe Biden. We are now a failing nation. So you would think that you know, he would be all fire and brimstone if he actually wanted to do it, because as the uh, Wall Street Times article pointed out, his supporters are going to, to support him no matter what, because they don't care what the Democrats have to say. So even if you just said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take over and persecute these people. I mean, I, I feel like he can be fully masked off now. He doesn't have to say anything. I, I don't know what you guys, what your read of the situation is at the minute, but I, I think that he's going to be a lot more um, heavy handed, but it's necessary. And, you know, I'm, I'm not normally one for heavy handed government intervention, but when it's clearing out institutions, it has to be done because they are so um, saturated with leftists, I suppose. That's not necessarily being heavy-handed. If you say that there are particular institutions and departments that are not needed and you tell people that, well, you shouldn't have this job anymore, I don't consider that to be heavy-handed. Well, I suppose by... It's more by, like the Afuera yeah, strategy. Well, I'm all for that, obviously, but it's more by the standards that have previously been set, right? Yeah. I don't think it's heavy-handed. I would, you know, if it were up to me, over half of the UK government departments would be abolished. And that's a start. So I'm not averse to that. Well, 
uh, as everybody knows, the last strand of hope died in me a long time ago. So, <laughs> Harry, that's... we want you back. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we want you back. Um, so maybe another cookie will sort you out. Oh, oh no, another cookie <laughs> would be far too many. Um, I think that it would be fantastic if he was able to clear out all of the people who jam up the bureaucracy of the U.S. government, so that he's able to actually do things that are beneficial for the U.S. people. Uh, but I do think that if he is genuinely trying to clear people out and uh, disband particular departments, take people out of positions of power who misuse that power, then first things first, what he should probably try and do is, even with all the secret service around him, invest in some very, very good private security for himself. That's very true. And it, it's also worth mentioning, and I skipped over it because I didn't want to do too much reading in that segment, is that the guy writing it says, we should do everything in our power, legal or illegal. <laughs> Did he really say that? Explicitly, yeah. Um, okay, all right. To, to save our democracy, Bringing it more back or less. To 1964. I, <laughs> so I, I get the impression that um, if, if things are fair um, and Trump gets in, Sorry, I'm going to be watching. <laughs> I'm going to be watching with popcorn. I, I hope that happens because the American people do deserve a Trump presidency. I mean that in a positive way, of course, um, just to clarify. don't think anyone doubted me. Um, but we'll have to see how things play out. All right. We've taken a little trip to the land of the free and the home of the brave. Now let's turn our heads back to the slow motion tragic comedy that is the British Isles. The land of the cooked, yeah. Yeah, the land of the cooked, home of the incels. <laughs> What? <laughs> I don't know. Well, that last part, I didn't know that. It came out. On? It came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so this is a this is kind of a follow on from the two segments that Carl and Callum did yesterday, where they were talking about the new plan, the new plan for migration to restrict migration visas for foreign families coming over here. Where, if I get the information up properly. Uh, from the April April 2024, British citizens or people already settled in the UK will need to show that they earn £38,700 before their overseas partner can come here and live with them, which is a, about a 20 grand increase from what it was previously set at. This is supposedly going to be part of the government's program to reduce migration, net migration each year by about 300,000, which, as was discussed yesterday, would still put us at around the half a million a year mark. So half a million too many, in my opinion. Yes, which is still far too many. I have no trust whatsoever that this is actually going to come across because, of course, the left has immediately jumped into action and let everybody know that this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And there's a particular BBC article that we'll talk about in a moment that's quite amusing to me in the way that it tries to misrepresent the demographics that this will be particularly aimed at. Um, but so far, this is an announcement. This is an announcement in the lead up to an election. And the Tories have a great track record for announcing and saying that they're going to do things and then doing them, right? No. That, that's or is correct. it the other way around? Yeah, it, it's, it's, they never lie, do they? Just I mean, like how David Cameron got immigration to net 10,000 in the tens of thousands of year, and then Boris Johnson did the exact same thing with a massive majority in Parliament. This is exactly what Rishi Sunak is going to do. Even after, as Callum mentioned yesterday, he has recently initiated, I think it's the Working Indian Plan, the Young Indian Visa Plan, which means that if you are a young Indian who has a, a degree and has at least £2,500 saved up, 
you can come straight over here and live here and work. I wonder why Rishi Sunak, Rishi Sunak would be mm. so eager for a policy that basically guarantees that hordes and hordes of Indians can flood into the country in even greater numbers than they already are. I don't know. I, I can't possibly see a connection between Rishi Sunak and India. No one's ever heard of group preference no. or in-group preference even. I mean, that's a completely foreign concept to me. Yeah, I feel like it's opposite day to day. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of conflicts, uh, speaking of English conflicts with parts of the world, there is an epochs that came out the other day where Carl, well, where Bo was talking with Nick Hughes about the Anglo-Zulu War. So this is episode 135. Bo has an enormous backlog of epochs at this point, discussing most of anything you could want to learn about in historical events. So check that out. It's on the website. He's also talking about the film as well, which is great. Yes. Yes, it is. I love that film. And I was watching it as I was growing up. It must make you patriotic to be British, even though you're not British. I loved it. And Michael Caine, is, Michael Caine and Anthony Hopkins are my two favorite actors. Fantastic, yeah. Ben. I never saw that movie as, you know, an evil movie. I don't think anybody it was, should. It was a lovely movie. <laughs> it, was a lovely, it was a love story. If you, could, if you could define Zulu in one word, it is lovely, isn't it? Yes. But, um, so this is on the website, premium video. Sign up for at least £5 a month and you'll be able to get access to that and everything else. So it's a really, really good deal. So yesterday, as I mentioned, Carl discussed the plan and how the plan probably wasn't going to happen. And then Callum discussed how the plan, if it even does happen, will not do anything because of inflation. That £38,700 a year mark is rapidly going to be, I think he looked at the inflation calculator and found that £34,000 this year is equivalent to £26,000 back That's in 2020. A staggering amount of inflation. That is it, it makes ridiculous. Me, I, I, because I already know this, I, I'm not displaying how mad I am, but th these are the kind of things that make me absolutely furious. The government's just stealing money from my pocket, from my savings. Yes, and then what money they do take from you, even though they've uh, inflated it massively to be worthless, they will still give it to foreigners over letting you keep it yourself. You might hate the government, but you don't hate the government enough. This is true. But the BBC decided to report on all of this with the angle that you would expect from the BBC, which is, won't somebody think of the foreign couples? And yes, we have chosen a completely representative sample of the kind of demographics that this will hit, such as scientists Josie and Joan uh, Ferrer Obiel. So let's, let's read some of what they say here. Lee, 24, from Belfast, told BBC Radio 5 Live, this policy means that the girl I want to marry, the girl I love, I cannot live with her and it's destroying me. He continued, I just hate this. All this planning we've had and now it's all just crashing down. Basically, if I want to be with someone I love, I can't be in this country anymore. My mind has went kind of everywhere to some very dark places, if I'm honest. So I, if, I, if I'm understanding the intention of this BBC article from this particular highlight that I've got here, it's that he's very sad you don't want Lee 24 from Belfast to be sad, so let's continue to destroy civilization. Well, I do want the... Barry 63 to be happy, so... <laughs> there you go. British citizen Josie lives with her Italian husband in Ancona in Italy. The couple, both scientists, married in December 2020, were planning on moving to the UK to settle. But Josie said the prospect of earning £38,700 as a lab assistant at a British university is highly unlikely, with going rate salaries routinely below that level. Great. Stay so, in Italy then. So yeah. if, you're, if you're able to earn more in Italy, and also Italy 
as a climate is honestly quite a lot nicer. If I had a choice of Italy or Britain, I know which one I'm picking. I'll be eating olives and drinking fine wine I mean, at the end of the day. You may have familial ties in, ties in Britain, but you've got to kind of make a cost-benefit analysis. Well, considering how cold it is out there, it's a pretty easy decision at the minute in the British winter. But asked what her family's plan was now, the 33-year-old told Five Live, I don't know, not come back? That would break my mum's heart. I don't know. I really don't know. So, as you can imagine, what's going on here is the BBC has highlighted some very marginal edge cases which have particular demographics, that being that mainly the people who are foreigners who won't be able to come over here are European. All of these uh, European scholars that want to come into our country. Yes. Um, like another one... Doctors, that, engineers and scientists. Another Sorry. one that's highlighted is Cam28 told the BBC how he's looking for a new home in London where his American wife can come and join him after four years of long-distance relationships. So... If you've been paying attention and following our content for a while, you'll know that Callum has highlighted over and over again that past 2020, past 2019, when we finally got Brexit done and Boris Johnson was finally going to clear out this country of unwanted immigration, what happened was that non-EU migration absolutely exploded and makes up the vast majority of the migration that we receive to this country for all of the years since then, and one of the main reasons that we've got such ridiculous levels of net migration coming into the country, especially now that we've got programs like this young Indian visa program that's going to be happening. So the worry that happens with England is not necessarily that, oh no, we'll have all of these European scientists and American scientists come over here and do good work, but we won't pay them enough to be able to let them in under these new rules. No, the worry is that Every single town, every single city is being turned into a third world asshole because we are, without any qualification, letting these people in. And then if they claim asylum, if they come over here illegally, nine out of ten of them, as I covered on Monday, even if they get rejected, stay in the country anyway. Absolutely ridiculous. These policies are destroying our country. And even though that they have an, the Tories have announced this, and I don't plan, I uh, don't imagine that they'll actually go ahead with it. it, it it's still the idea that we wouldn't want to save our country. We wouldn't want our country to be completely sunk by foreigners from third world countries who don't share our culture, don't share our values, don't share our work ethic, and are a massive net drain on finances and on welfare and on taxes is ridiculous. I, I also find the notion that all immigration is created equal strange because... Now, I've got no problem with, with Euro Europeans coming here, you know, as long as they're not um, a Romanian pickpocket gang. You know, mm. Stelios, you're all right, for example. Thank you're, you, Josh. You, thank get, you. you get the pass. I, I, I think you're right, because there's a question of cultural continuities, okay? Mm. Where there are substantial continuities between culture, it can work. But where there aren't, it cannot work. That is why when people talk about multiculturalism in the abstract, they're always, you know, viewing it fr from the wrong perspective. Even then, I don't trust them. even then, when there is cultural assimilation possible, like Josh said, I'm fine uh, with Greeks like yourself who are able to come over here and contribute and uh, assimilate. I, I find that that's, uh, that's mostly fine for me. But you still have the question of the, the infrastructure, how much it can actually support. The NHS was not a system that was meant to support upwards of 80 million people as are probably yeah. in the country right now. Ignore those official right. statistics. I, I think you're illegals right. Yeah, all over the place. So you would still need to limit that. Uh, yeah. to no, no, you're, you're completely right, and I think we agree here because yeah, absolutely, uh, I know. 
even if there are cultural continuities, I can definitely respect someone who says it. For instance, I, I want to take care of uh, the indigenous native population here, and that's totally fine. Absolutely, I, 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 th- I think it is right, Leif. Uh, but the, the the answer that we always hear, and I've seen people on Twitter, on social media, everywhere, and articles saying, oh, so you just want to destroy the healthcare service, do you? You want to destroy the NHS? Because these are the people staffing the NHS. The NHS is entirely staffed by foreigners. The NHS, the only reason that the NHS exists is because we extract the lifeblood of third world immigrants <laughs> and then use it to grease the wheels of the NHS. But that's not actually true. You make it sound like the NHS runs on the corpses of, of people in poverty. That's all the more reason to get rid of it then. I, I mean, that's what they would prefer <laughs> to the NHS not being there. But um, if you actually look into it, yeah, this is not true. Of every thousand NHS staff in England, 813 are British. And when you consider the demographic explosion of the past 25 years and how much the population has grown, I imagine if most of those people weren't here, we would easily be able to handle a smaller workforce working for the NHS and be able to handle the population that we had. Because if you look into the statistics, the actual white British population of England has been very consistent at about 42 million and in fact has dropped by about half a million between 2011 and 2021 census. So we probably, apart from bureaucratic issues, which always pop up with state, uh, state-owned businesses, of course, and state-owned services, uh, but the NHS would work much better if we didn't have this gigantic population explosion. Well, there's this deluded notion that the population has to just continually grow. But it seems to me that when you reach a certain population density, um, there's a natural effect where it, it levels out, doesn't it? Or there's a gradual decline and then there's a point of equilibrium somewhere. Well, we, we don't live under Malthusian situa- uh, circumstances anymore, but there is no. still the issue of diminishing returns, well, I think which is a, a pretty high-end law as far as I mm. can tell, that there is a problem of diminishing returns. You can have 10 immigrants who come into the country and are all super geniuses and really add, but the more you get of each of those people, you'll get diminishing returns, you'll get varying quality of these people. It's just supply and demand, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But even then, what of, of this um, 187 that are still left who are foreign, what kind of quality are we getting from them from every, uh, in every thousand? That's how many foreigners would be staffing it. Well, we get cases like this, which was once again brushed over a little bit yesterday, but I thought it'd be important to go into a bit more detail. So this was an article from the Daily Mail Online. Dementia sufferer 91 died after becoming trapped in a stairlift when foreign care staff could not understand the difference between breathing and bleeding. That's a pretty essential thing that you would want to know if you're in, working in care. Yeah, so it's a, a pretty sad story, to be honest. So Barbara Rimel, 91, who suffered from dementia, died after she became trapped in the me- uh, mechanical stairlift after a fall at the care home she lived at with being unable to free her, an inquest heard. So what happened was on the same day that she went in, she died. So it's not just that, you know, there are people who get jobs who get jobs that you know the local population doesn't. It's also people who are vastly unqualified mm-hmm. who get jobs with responsibility. It's as uh, Gavin McInnes says that most of the immigrants just take teenagers' jobs. This is, this is actually completely true. So that's a lot of the time all they're qualified for. Obviously, there are cases whereby we actually get um, genuine scholars like Stelios here. Um, <laughs> sorry. 
yeah. calling you out all the time. Um, but a lot of the time, it's just menial labor. Like you have that um, case that Callum loves of the woman who says, who will serve me coffee at Pret? Teenagers. It should be teenagers, yeah. Teenagers can do it. You're either taking jobs away from teenagers who would be able to do it and get paid a decent amount for doing it, or you are purposefully ensuring that automation doesn't happen in particular industries just so that you can justify having foreigners come and do those jobs, like uh, like farm picking jobs where you can. Mm. There's amazing technology that does it for you. Well, the, the funny thing is that um, one of the sort of hypothesized contributions contributing factors to the collapse of the Roman Empire was their over-dependence on slavery. There, 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 weren't, there wasn't enough work for actual Romans. Also, there, was, yeah. there was, were some genetic studies done in 2021 that showed some of their major cities were almost 50% Middle Eastern. Well, mm. there, there, there was a sort of myth that Rome, at, towards the end especially, wasn't multicultural. But you, know, you see, that, that, that's, a, that's completely mistaken. They had all different kinds of slave, yes. Yeah, and when uh, there was a slave influx, due to the fact that they expanded their empire, there wasn't so much need for the local population to, to work. And that created, to, to a large extent, the land reform uh, issues. Mm. That but, they had civil wars there and, and all sorts of stuff. So I can just finish off the details of this case. So the senior coroner for Somerset, a woman called Samantha March, has written to the Home Office and the Helen Watley Minister for Health and Social Care to warn of the potential for future deaths because of English standards not being addressed when these people come over here. They have to take a particular English test and it has very menial questions that don't have anything to do with the healthcare section. So for instance, it has fill in the blanks sentences where I question mark a book today and you have a series of answers that you can choose from being like, I bought a book today, I did something with a book, I threw a book today, something like that. Nothing to do with testing the English skills for whether you'll need to know the difference between breathing and bleeding, which is very important if you're working with elderly people in a nursing home or in any healthcare situation. She said on the report, on the evening of the 8th of August, 2022, two carers were on duty, neither of whom were native English-speaking nationals. One was Romanian and the other was Indian. At, at 7.27, one of the carers called 999 to request an ambulance. It was clear on the evidence that Barbara had been left unattended on the mechanical chair for around five minutes. This was clearly contrary to the rules and procedures of Ashley House. So not only was the problem caused by them not being able to speak English properly, but because they were completely useless and incompetent at the duties that they were hired to do in the first place. They left her unattended for five minutes and she got herself into the situation. If you've ever dealt with anyone with dementia before, you do not leave them unattended, especially not around any kind of machinery, even something as simple as a chairlift. Mm. That's absolutely ridiculous. And it goes on to say, um, they were unable to explain to the emergency services what happened to her and do not and did not understand the difference between their patient being alive or alert. Their lack of English severely hampered, uh, hampered the calls handler's response and made a, a meaningful assessment of her condition virtually impossible, according to the coroner. And following the call, Mrs. Rimmel's case was classified as serious rather than requiring an immediate response. And when paramedics did apply, arrive at the care home, she was already dead. So it's a tragic and horrible situation. Ooh. It's also worth mentioning as well that if these people are working with old people with dementia, dementia eats away at your memories from the present towards the past. When my nan had dementia, um, she was living in a care home in, in Plymouth because she needed full-time attention. 
and there's a dockyard there that sounds off a siren to warn because it's got nuclear submarines and stuff. Mm. So it tests the siren. And she thought it was an air raid siren because she grew up in the war. So, you know, if you're a, a dementia patient, you don't understand that the war's not over. It's a really harrowing thing. If you don't have that sort of understanding or contact with people, like I imagine this, this poor 91-year-old dementia patient, they hadn't become acclimatized to mass immigration. So these people who would have seemed strange to her as well, wouldn't have, even if they could. You can't even her. speak English properly. So yeah, well, it's going to going to put someone with dementia. Um, you know, it's going to make them uncomfortable. I think. Yeah, but people picked up on this story to carry it on, and I saw that um, if I go up here, so Kunli Drukpa, as you can imagine, made a meme of it. But I think what's important to highlight here is that this is this is only anecdotal, and this is from um, an account on Twitter. Could be lying, but I will say. This kind of behavior does line up from my own anecdotal experience with care homes and with the NHS services as they're provided right now. He decided to give experience of what he's seen. So he says, over the past decade in a small learning disability project, I have witnessed personally physical beating, not calling an ambulance for an elderly man who has fallen down the stairs and later turns out to have broken ribs, not even documenting it. And he carries on like that. Kunli asks, what would you say is the single worst case you saw was? And he says, probably slapping and hitting of a non-verbal man with the capacity of an 18-month-old, but never in front of uh, the, um, the higher-ranked people. The culprit pulled rank as an elder, but was eventually thrown under the bus due to their own internal bickering, which is another story. They've had fist fights with another, regularly tell each other to F off back to Africa and other moments of light relief. During COVID, they would get others who spoke better English than them to sit phone interviews. And he finishes off saying, on a final amusing note, Juju, which is voodoo dolls, have been made of managers before all to make a show of being pious Christians despite all of this. And do you know what was amazing? Kunli made a joke about this, and then somebody underneath linked this. And this is real. This is an actual, you can go and check the links in the description below this video on the website and find this. There was an NHS meeting that you could take in 25th of October, 2019, discussing the possibility of spirits inhabiting bodies is fairly universal across cultures and religions and is one of the oldest ways of accounting for mental health difficulties. In Islam, the belief that jinns, spirits, can cause mental health illness is widely accepted. This course aims to explain the relationships between jinns and mental health difficulties and to explore the religious framework that exists around them. My tax money funded this. My tax money funded the procedures and policies that brought these people over here. So we desperately need foreign Islamic workers to come over to the NHS and then be taught how to deal with genies, evil genies possessing people, which is what gives them dementia and other mental health issues. It, so I've got to say, if we desperately need these people to fund the NHS, I'm not getting my value for money. Don't know about how you guys are feeling. I'm not getting my value for money. I, for one, want to heed the warning because I'm very concerned about genies in lamps. I, I feel like they're, they're out to get me. What, what can I do about it, Harry? Well, yeah. you've, you've missed the course, but even well, if... Well, it's £99. Pounds, which, if you're not uh, a member. If yeah. you don't work for the NHS, you could still have taken this course. It would have just cost you £99. Pounds. That's, that's a scam in and of itself. It's just like, I pay for the NHS and I've got to... Now okay. I'm paying extra. If, if anybody tuned into this and actually saw it because it was on an online video uh, call, if you had the chance to record this, please 
So I just want to know. It's it's six hours, but I'm really curious. Six hours. I'm really curious because look, it's got well. I mean, it's obviously full of information because there's descriptions of gin, black magic, and evil eye, and how people may be affected by these things. So we're getting a full documentation of all of this here. I I know how this is going to play out. The NHA is going to have an exorcism department. They're going to say, basically, we they're need... They're going to put the Vatican out of business. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Because they could also say, you know, that if you see a, suddenly a patient start convulsing and speaking in Latin and stuff, you need to do something about it. <laughs> Let's have a session with, with Harry's money. Wait, sorry, could you imagine, though, right, if, you're, if you go to an NHS hospital or into some kind of emergency situation, you can't contact the uh, local NHS, and you say... They're, they're having some kind of issues. They're having a mental breakdown, nervous breakdown, a dementia um, episode, anything like that. And they go, right, I'm going to get a priest over to you straight away. And we can get, we can get that spirit exercised. Obviously, Bazuzu from The Exorcist has possessed your dear Nan. It's you a good would, thing you're not saying this to Connor because he'd be like, this is great. Yeah, yeah you, would, you, would say, you would say, are you a clown on the other side? Have I called the wrong number? Have I called the local clown college? Get me an actual medical professional, please. You wouldn't take that seriously. But because we're importing foreigners who have, let's be perfectly honest, a medieval at best understanding of these issues, this is what we're paying for. We should pay for the genies to work for the NHS because then we can wish the illnesses away. <laughs> Isn't the I know genie, what my first wish would be. Isn't the genie the one you that grants you three wishes? Yeah, that's what I thought. But they yeah. can be monkey uh, no, ball wishes. I think it's genes and genies. The genies are the ones who grant you wishes, and the genes are the spirit. The yeah, ones, I may the be wrong, but poor wishes. Yeah, yeah. Get a bit of tonic with that, and you'll be right as rain. Sorry, it's a dad joke. <laughs> yeah. For instance, like the monkey paw wish would be like, I wish that Boris Johnson will reduce immigration, and it turns out he reduces European immigration and increases non-European immigration. <laughs> I mean, whoever did that. Maybe we do have yeah. gins. Maybe jo Boris Johnson <laughs> was communicating or possessed by a gin this whole time. Why was he using monkey paws to exact his executive <laughs> authority? That's the question I want to ask. More reliable than the civil service. That's true. That's the only get explanation. More uh, but then there's also the other aspects of culture this always affects, which is it goes into the inner cities, into the council estates, and we have beautiful music like this now being produced oh, in the no. streets of London. That I apologize to urban youths. I apologize for this. Being like them, man, bitching, hand on my heart, it's the truth I tell. How many times we've been on the block with a mash on, they fully load the bells. It gets long if I swing this black bit with my right hand and I send them hell. I don't know what you're saying. It sounds exactly the same to all other music that I've heard like that. Yeah, so <laughs> David Atherton shared this out saying, you know, it's the youth celebrating gun and gang culture. This is true. This is, I believe, and I, this is kind of a, an, an aspect of sociology that I've been dipping my dipping my hand into recently, which is uh, drill culture. Oh, no. Okay, the, the drill gangs in London and such. And the interesting thing about this is it's postcode gangs in parts of London like Brixton. There's a website that I've highlighted before where they actually give their locations. So th their songs admit the crimes that they are committing or have already committed, um, brag about them, then they post their location on social media and on websites. I don't know exactly why the police don't just go in and arrest all of these people. They're not criminal masterminds, are they? No, they're certainly not. Um, but they may as well say, here's, here's my uh, entire background. One of the Here's my best. Well, Sorry. That's basically what they're doing. There's also on the Genius website, there's a list of drill artists and drill gangs in London that also gives the 
rivalries with the other drill gangs that they have on there. This is very public information that they post on social media themselves. So unsurprisingly, what this has led to recently is lots of the drill music where they go, by the way, I killed this person recently in this location for this reason. Here's the serial code of the knife that I stabbed them to death with. By the way, my name is here and here's my address. They're not quite so explicit, but close enough. Um, this music has started to be used for a long time, actually, in court to convict these people as evidence. Because it turns out, if you write a song admitting to a crime, just because it's a song doesn't mean it's not an admission of criminal Has guilt. anyone looked into the song I Shot the Sheriff? Oh, uh, Bob Marley might be in some big trouble I for know. that one. Oh, God, the CIA, that's what they got him for. <laughs> <laughs> um so this is an article talking about how there are numerous groups starting to pop up to try and prevent this from happening because they're saying, I think it was um, art, not crime or something like that. Let me, let me scroll down in this. Can't it be both? Surely that's what graffiti is. Art, not evidence. That's oh, it. Right. There's campaign groups trying to prevent this from happening by saying, well, no other form of art is routinely used in this way because most other forms of art aren't actual admissions of criminal guilt. I mean, that should be simple enough. Uh, no other demographic routinely has the creative expression conflated with their character. Research from the University of Manchester, led by Ethan Quinn, found more than 72 cases involving about 250 people in the past three years in which rap music was used as evidence. Most cases involved multiple defendants prosecuted using the joint enterprise principle. Studied by Awusu Bempa of more than 30 cases that went to the Court of Appeal last year suggested that the music is often admitted as evidence when it's not related to the offense charged. She often found that in only she found that in only eight cases were the lyrics or videos directly connected to the offense charge. So there, that's still eight cases. Shouldn't it be? That's still eight cases where here's the people I murdered and here's the evidence for it. I'm going to write a song about this and release this publicly. Now, this is a controversial opinion. Isn't it up to the court to determine what evidence is and isn't evidence? I, I, that's kind of the purpose of a court, isn't it? Also, the people that she was researching, the, the, the prosecutors later went on to say that what they were using a lot of this for was not necessarily as admission of guilt, but to prove connection between the gangs that they were taught. Uh, that, Which that makes were, perfect sense. Just like here you are on video stood next to someone. <laughs> exactly. That's pretty difficult to refute. And uh, you may wonder to yourself, if all these people are doing is writing terrible music about how they're murdering each other and then murdering each other, all day. What, what, what do they do for work? Where do these people live? How do they afford to live? Well, that's, that's easy. They live in social housing, which is subsidized by the government. And somebody, and I'll try and be a bit quick on this because we're running out of time for this segment, but this guy, Peter Apps, decided that he was going to own the Anon Chuds on Twitter who constantly bring up social housing rates in London by saying that actually, your regular reminder that 81% of new social housing lettings go to white British tenants and 90% to UK nationals. And yes, in London, it's still overwhelmingly going to UK nationals. Note the uh, change there from white mm. British to UK nationals. So that's not even sleight of hand. A, that's <laughs> browbeating you, is it? They they have a um, they have a passport that says they're British, so therefore don't ask any further questions. Uh, but he, in this, amazingly, released a, a link to the data set that he was using for all of this information. And one of the guys that I've referred to a lot for all of this information who does really good work is a guy called Juice on Twitter who said that he didn't realize that this core data set was publicly accessible, but it gives you the actual information for how much these people in these social housing situations are charged. 
And look at this. So if you're black or black British getting socialized housing in Kensington, if you're not from Britain, you might not know, but London, Kensington is the most expensive part of London to live in. It's absolutely ridiculous. £2,500 a month on private. They pay £534 a month, subsidized by the British government to live near the Natural History Museum and among the Kensington Gardens and Kensington Palace. I tried to go to the Natural History Museum on, on my birthday and it was closed. So I, I blame them just completely out of the blue. And then I was responding to this and saying that, you know, um, as well as saying that, oh, well, it's all one, well and good saying that uh, uh, in total, more social housing is taken up by the white British people. That's, that's one thing to say. But what happens if we... uh, take a deeper look at the data, separate it by the ethnicity and find how what greater percentage of the total of that ethnicity are in social housing. And Juice released this information to me and you can see that of the total populations in places like London, there are some that over-index as part of their percentage of total population in social housing. Uh, I mean, if you were to go down to particular ethnicity, uh, Somalia, I've pointed out many times, 73% of London Somalis are in social housing. So Stopped exporting pirates. That's why we need Somalians in London. Yeah. Right. So to to tie all this off, I will say things could be better. They could always be better, but they aren't because our leaders don't want it to be better because they would rather tax us to all hell to fund this. (sighs) This is like one of the most frustrating things to see because I'm against... (laughs) Wait, 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 don't look. (laughs) It's one of the most frustrating things to see because not only am I completely against welfare full stop, but it's being used actively and explicitly against the native British population. Mm -hmm. So um, it's like a double whammy of trying to wind me up. Oh, well. For the record, before we go to the segment, yes, I was reading the chat and thank you for liking my tie. (laughs) <laughs> it's not Stelios' distraction time. I was paying attention to what our lovely audience oh, was saying about oh yeah, oh the yeah. segments. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, speaking of uh, demons and gins, <laughs> I want to talk about a controversial topic. And uh, it's good to run a test first. I want to see. I'm going to show you a video. Don't look yet. I want to show you a video and I want to. I want you to tell me what you see because it's a regular, you know, you, you could consider it an eye test or okay. an eye check or something. I've been eating some carrots. So you may look. Oh, dear. Um, this is from GTA 6. I can't wait not to play this. Well, well, well let's, let's be fair here, right? Okay. I've seen a lot of people get annoyed about this, but GTA is explicitly, and I, I just made a segment before on how GTA 6 will probably be not very good, but if GTA is supposed to be an overt caricature of American culture, and particularly the, the culture that pops up in American cities, especially if we're talking about Miami, which is what Vice City is supposed to be, okay, this isn't even exaggerated. <laughs> this is just accurate. This could just be a documentary. <laughs> yeah, All you, you need is some over-the-top narration, and then, then if you're, you're there. Gonna, if you're going to get annoyed over GTA 6, I think this is the least objectionable thing about I, it. I just the found the, the horrifying mm, visual of it. I just found the gameplay of GTA 5 to be boring, and I think the Rockstar's going down the route of spectacle over substance, so I'm just not interested from that angle. The, the fact that they boasted about, look at all the women that work for us, and then they fired all of the people who did good stuff. 
That's also enough. So you are basically looking at a woman twerking on top of a car in motion. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Great. Okay, you passed the test. Now, <laughs> uh, I want. Uh, we can pause the video. Yeah. And I want to move on. Yeah, Please I don't want to see. It. <laughs> Has anyone got any bleach for my eyes? Yeah. So basically, you know, I, I like doing that to you. I must say, yeah. Do you torture us? I thought I was the evil one in the office, but you've really usurped. I, I, you know, I mean, I, I like sending video, random videos on to my <laughs> colleagues and stuff. Okay, anyway. So um, there is lots of talking about uh, the political compass test and people take the test. I have never taken it. But uh, <laughs> basically what happens is that you are presented with some questions. These questions are supposed to require answers that uh, show up your beliefs and there's a kind of calculation of where you fall on that particular area of the political spectrum. So I want to describe you a character and ask you to locate that character within that political compass test. So the character I'm thinking of thinks that, number one, everything boils down to race, not the content of people's character. Number one. Martin Luther King. No. Sorry. Number Carry two, on. thinking that the, the person I have in mind thinks that some people should not be allowed access to some goods because of their racial characteristics. Furthermore, he or she thinks that some need preferential treatment because they are of a particular race. Belief number three, this person believes that criticism should be silenced because it violates the humanity of members of a particular group that is to be treated as special. And belief number four, this person thinks that people of a particular race are not in touch with humanity and need to be corrected to beat out their metaphysical essence out of them. Now, where would you locate that person in the political compass test? This man sounds like a race commie to me. Okay. Yeah, there's some sort of left-wing authoritarian, I would imagine, right? Okay. So, I, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Ibram X. Candy. Who else was it going to be? Of course. That's oh, a, that's, oh, the, that's a train. That's, that's a, a video comment, John. Ibram Kendi is looking a bit uh, different <laughs> these days. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't oh, think uh, white uh, people worldwide have really reckoned with how much their own personal identity is shaped by constructions of whiteness. And, and how much um, that construction of whiteness uh, prevents uh, white people from uh, connecting to humanity. In other words, uh, recognizing that uh, when, you, when you recognize that you are part and parcel of humanity, in other words, you're not over humanity, right? Uh, it, it allows you to really be able to connect to people who don't look like you, who have kinky hair, who have dark skin, uh, and to see yourself in them. And it's whiteness that prevents that, right? And, and when you're not able to see yourself uh, in other human beings, that creates all sorts of problems. Um, but not just societal problems, personal problems uh, that, that I think hopefully this, this, this film and this work will, will liberate those folks from. So I, I think it's, this liberate, it's liberating all the way around, right? It, it, 
you know, I think it, it will liberate, you know, really all of us because, you know, we've all been told a lie about ourselves and other people. Ooh. Uh, oh. We're being too polite. We're, we're not talking that, through the applause. That man gets paid 40 grand per speaking appearance. He's such an articulate scholar, isn't he? I mean, he's, he, he's saying those words like they've just appeared to him in his head just then. You know, when we were, you know, ending the slave trade. That was because we saw ourselves not as part of humanity, couldn't see the humanity in anybody who didn't look like us. Well, he's basically saying that white people don't have empathy, is, is the, the long and short yeah, of it. Is no, that... white, whiteness means lack of empathy. Well, what does humanity mean in that statement that he was making? It means giving Africans free things. Yeah, I mean, because we don't give Ibram X. Kendi all of our money we don't people have people do give em- him people give him yeah. loads of money <laughs> we don't have empathy and never mind the fact that you know basically european moral standards have become the high watermark of humanity that that ignore that you know it's not that you know human rights abuses are going on in africa far far more than they are in europe but you know that's inconvenient isn't it but sorry do carry on so i, I want to say because you know the, the, i constantly see things about kendi and people who uh, play the anti-racist card. And I want to say that because I'm not principally involved, I normally don't talk about it. But when he is saying things like, you know, all white people are bad or all whiteness worldwide, as he said. All Hutus are bad. Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it, it kind of becomes a non-US specific thing. And if you think of the craziness of leftist movements nowadays, for instance, movements like queers, for Palestine or uh, feminists pro-Islam and stuff like that, it it is it is something that it becomes an issue worldwide because everyone is seeing things, or at least the left worldwide sees things through the lens of a particular conflict in the U.S. with a spe- specific history and interprets everything through that. So I want to say that you know it's it's really interesting because if any if someone else said this, things like that, and was white, for instance, what would people say? They wouldn't get a Netflix documentary, that's for sure. They wouldn't get a Netflix documentary. <laughs> well, actually, he, he might, but not a positive one. Yeah. Uh, they would be cancelled, and you could say that they resemble, you know, the uh, followers of a man with a moustache. Uh, but, Kendi says it, and suddenly, it's okay. Have you noticed how smug that lady looks at the end of him saying that, by the way? I've just clocked that. It's, the video is still up. And, and the whole thing is smug. Just like, they know that yeah. they've got power on their side. They know they've got big money on their side. So why not be as smug as possible about it all? Yeah, and anyway, so the, the, the idea is that you're not over humanity and stuff like that. It resembles dangerously this obsession with locating one group, demonizing it, and constantly saying, for instance, and leading to a culture that says that that members of that group should have no right and any any right that they claim for themselves is an instance of hate against all the rest. I think that it's absolutely ridiculous. This is dangerous rhetoric. And frankly, I'm pissed off that he gets away with it. And he also gets a Netflix documentary. But, you know, you wouldn't expect more from Netflix documentaries nowadays. I'm surprised Netflix even employs any white people at all the way they're going. And basically, whiteness here is used as a synonym of evil because if you pay attention at what he's saying, he's basically saying that whiteness prevents people from putting themselves 
in other people's shoes, which is exactly as you said, is lack of empathy, which is a cross-cultural problem throughout history. Just saying all of that is responsible. I think uh, whiteness it, is responsible for all of that is just honestly is just nonsense. I think it applies the least yeah. to white people because, of course, you get the case of people in in particularly uh, Anglosphere countries. There have been studies done on group preferences, and you know white people seem to score the highest on outgroup preference, which is an explicit preference for people outside of your racial group. So how does that work? Anyway, speaking of humanity and dehumanization, I would like to say I do not consider that explicit preference for outgroups to be a good thing, and I doubt you do either. I thought that was implicit in it. Yeah. So, speaking of humanity and dehumanization, you can visit our website and check the latest symposium I did with Harry, where we talk about <laughs> yeah, about uh, Kant's categorical imperative and as he's talking, uh, the idea of viewing humans as ends in themselves doesn't seem to be someone who fits Kendi's box. Anyway, and I want to say also one other thing. You should also watch Contemplations 148, the debate we had on liberalism, mm -hmm. because this is an issue, again, of skin suiting. Don't focus on the rhetoric and how Kendi talks and he says, oh, here I'm talking about to save your, to protect your emotions and all this. His agenda is incredibly bad, okay? And it shouldn't be tolerated. His agenda shouldn't be tolerated. And the, the fact that he says it in a way that may seem more palatable than other people would in the past doesn't make the content of what he says any less dangerous or ridiculous. So... And uh, you can definitely check uh, this uh, liberalism debate part two because we are talking to a large degree about skin suiting and the difference between rhetoric and action and the fact that just because someone says that I'm here to do good doesn't mean that they're good. The sexual tension in this thumbnail is unbearable. I look very strange in that thumbnail. <laughs> so, very unflattering. We have here a tweet by one Yiru Nyoya, I think. Uh, they spent ages defending the, their eradicate whiteness and abolish whiteness slogans by claiming it doesn't mean white people, it just means white supremacy. Now they're saying whiteness is something that prevents white people connecting to humanity. Sinister, evil ideology. It is. It, very it, true. Mm. It is very true. And it does resemble, I'll say that again, because it, it has to be repeated, because that's the main point. That when we are talking about, you know, some of the very extreme movements who are and, and their practice, what they did repeatedly was singling out a group and, and implying that that group needs to have no rights and that group needs to be corrected. And any claim of that group to have rights is essentially something that is violating humanity or things like that. So this is sinister drivel. The question is, what is why is Kendi doing that right now? You beat me to it. Yeah. I wasn't playing a tiny violin. That's to signify okay. money. So I did a segment about it um, in late September. And I want to show you something that happened in his anti-racist anti research center at Boston University. Did it succumb to whiteness? Um, he was accused of whiteness, essentially. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> so Kendi, a, you keep showing a, up to presentations it's on time. of the, the whiteness world. This is from the Daily Free Press. Amid mass layoffs, Boston University Center for Anti-Racist Research 
accused of mismanagement of funds and disorganization, among other stuff. Wait, you mean a race grifter's mismanaging money? That's and never happened. look at this here. He's got uh, to fight whiteness somehow. Three years later, after at least $43 million in grants and Ugh. gifts, and what sources say has been an underwhelming output of research. <laughs> the Center if I, for If I know the, the, the figures myself, I believe it was zero. Zero research is what I heard. <laughs> the Center for Anti-Racist Research laid off almost all of its staff last week. Hooray. Anyway, so I, I said in that seg back in that segment that I feel a bit ambiguous about this because... You feel um, bad for Kendi? No, 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 no. Wait. Let, let me just say this. Who's doing such good work? Wait, wait. <laughs> I'm, I'm not feeling bad for Candy, but I'm not feeling bad about the people who donated money either. Oh, was it a donation thing, was it? Yeah, and in, in grants and gifts. But 43 that, million That could have gone to productive stuff. That could have gone to yeah, research but, grants but to cure cancer. Imagine or like expecting research from someone who basically tells you that they already know everything. This person already has said that any racial disparity is down to racial discrimination so what is the research why do you need research uh, if you operate in that framework all you're going to talk about is just economic egalitarianism and social goods egalitarianism so he is act actually telling them that there's nothing to research <laughs> and they gave him 43 million dollars so so Obviously, I have nothing to research by the way um, yeah. <laughs> if you'd like to send us money yeah, yeah now so, give me 43 mil so people were pissed off. So maybe this explains the documentary, the Netflix documentary, because they were saying that the research output well, wasn't... He's, he's got to get some money somehow, and Netflix are probably going to throw it at him, aren't they? Yeah, wasn't particularly uh, good. Or if something. you have Netflix, cancel it. For goodness sake, don't pay Netflix. I refuse. So, um, and oh, I want to no. talk to you about... The accusation, because you see that this is a rhetoric that basically spills over throughout the world. As Candy says, it is worldwide a problem. And we have Greta Thunberg. Could you please <laughs> click on the, on the profile and just... Oh, no. Yeah. It's Greta Thunberg. Jim Avenger. Yeah. So, and what she says, basically, if, uh, if you could... Got a Kenyan, Kenyan flag. Yeah, yeah. Cursor. I can yeah. do that. Sorry. She says... I'm the only black member of my gym. The other three black people are cleaners, so they probably think I should be cleaning too. I don't see why. <laughs> no one, no, no one denied her a membership to the to the gym. By the way, that this is said, common I've got in a, Greece. A fresh cotton crop that needs. Oh no! She says. By the way, I'm this saying is, that that's what she thinks. This Sorry. is common in Greece. You'll hardly ever find a black person with any other job except cleaning, and most are college educated. Not that cleaning is a bad job, as she says in a, in a thing. You see, this, re this run thing is ridiculous. Obviously, she's there on the gym, in the gym. She's working out. She's flashing her, her body. Okay, <laughs> she's taking pictures of herself. No one told her not to go in. The gym's also pretty much empty by the looks of it. When I've been to the gym, it's been a lot busier yeah. than that. And someone in the comments down noted that there is a guy behind in with jeans working. Oh my that. god, <laughs> that's the real story. Yeah, okay. I interview that man. Say, yeah. what were you thinking today when you went to the gym wearing jeans? And anyway, she says she she said all sorts of crazy stuff yesterday, and she had hundreds of followers, uh, an increase of hundred hundred of followers. And she says also, 
Racism is alive and well in Greece. I'm here legally and there is nothing any of you can do about it. Oh, wow. How ha- racist. Happy holiday season, y'all. Signed. Her words. Shaniqua the monkey. Her words. Okay? So, <laughs> you see, I just don't see it. You know, I, I, I've, lived, I've, lived, I've lived in Greece for the, the overwhelming majority of, a li- of, of my life. I just don't see it there. Well, yeah, it's, it probably doesn't go on. It's all in her head, isn't it? It's, it's, it's like a persecution complex. And also, yes. I find it interesting that in her name there, she has the Kenyan and Greek flag. Well, anyway, no one is no one is uh, telling her to stay. If she wants, she can basically leave. I imagine you you'll feel a lot more comfortable going to a gym in Kenya. Well, that's the, that's the funny thing, isn't it? Because they always say, "Oh, I'm here because you oppressed me. I'm here because of this uh, injustice. I'm here because of this." Yeah, injustice. then leave. Yeah, okay, leave. What? Yeah, if 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 I'm oppressing you so much, and everything in my own history is uh, some kind of slight against you. Why were you so desperate to come here in the first place? If this country is so racist, why are you getting material benefits from being here that and I don't economic have Economic mercenaries with uh, an inferiority complex is yeah. what it is. And you, you see another thing, though, because this is the whole thing with the left. It's always someone else's responsibility. It's always the state that should be given responsibility Ooh. to change things. She could basically run a campaign, try to incentivize people to join the gym. I'm sure the people who own the gym will absolutely love it. Okay? No one will tell her anything. Um, yeah. So, I want to end with this one over here to talk about this. Who are these people? I never Celebrity see them news. news. And it just says, it's just an article from the Celebrity News. Every man Meghan Markle was linked to before marrying Prince Harry, athletes, Athletes, celeb chefs, and more. And basically, it's they, not Ibram X. Candy, is it? No, it's not Ibram X. Candy. <laughs> that would have been a huge. They, 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 they say that basically she has a specific uh, group preferences when it comes to, to her dating uh, life. Mm-hmm. Many maybe, such cases. Maybe they could be considered to be. Is it pasty ginger so white legit? guys? Maybe, yeah. It's, it's, it's pasty ginger white guys, isn't it? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I'm deliberately non-committal. Oh, fair play. Yeah. I, I see the point you're trying to make here, that, that by, by noticing the, the sort of typing, yeah. somehow suggesting that she is in some way racist. Well, it's by, like they By say, preferring it, white I, I don't know. I'm just showing you what uh, you, uh, the US magazine published. Well, it's, it's like they say, you know, resistance in the streets, oppressed yeah. in the sheets. Yeah. And w- one, thi- one thing to just end with this is that um, this kind of leftist narrative and the progressivist narrative throughout Western countries is basically the same. And, and uh, there's an issue with um, the gray area of, let's say, swing voters, because a lot of uh, parties are taking the, their voters, uh, a lot of voters for granted. And that leads into some cases where there is tyranny of the minority. And this allows groups to basically start screaming and say all sorts of drivel in order to say that basically we need more power and we need preferential treatment. Well, my favorite thing to point to is the research that suggests that people who are more likely to virtue signal are more likely to be psychopaths and more likely to be motivated by acquiring resources, meaning money, so it's funny that, isn't it? And there's a pretty strong relationship between those things as well. 
almost like signaling you're a virtuous victim is a way of getting money. These days, yes. I hope you liked the way I started with me treating you to this lovely video. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> We've got some video comments, I believe. There's Ibram X. Kendi again. <laughs> I have a solution for the problem of keyboard warriors and internet tough guys. It's a bit sinister that when a train is going past. We introduce legal dueling. This will restore personal responsibility and honour. It's crew. Offer a consensual means to settle disputes without legal intervention and promote accountability whilst preserving dignity. And if you don't like it, you can come and fight me. I like your proposal. I've always been I in favour of le legalising dueling. I didn't listen to a word you said because I was thrilled about crew representation. <laughs> yes. Part of the crew. Finally. Part of the ship, part of the crew. <laughs> We're known no. for our trains. It's the best thing we have there. Def the town centre is an absolute ghost town. Everyone in Lotus Eaters is pro-dueling, by the way. So, uh, yeah, if you disagree with that, you know how to uh, counteract me, I suppose. I'd like to request a video on our argument around disability rights. My partner is disabled, and through that, I have interactions with disability charities they latch on to every left-wing cause as if their challenges are somehow the same. Thanks to you guys over the years, I can challenge claims of things like systemic oppression, but it's a bit more difficult to do that when the people are physically barred from engaging with society in some aspects because of an actual impairment. Yeah, the the equation between like actual physical disabilities and like Oh, I'm I'm persecuted by the state because I everyone is racist to me. Just like these two things are not the same. Like <laughs> I think a physical disability is far more debilitating than your perceived hardship. We're being pushed back. Hold on, comrade, I have a visitor. I am Sasha, former FSK operative. What brings you to my mafia headquarters this far east? You seek adventure where alliances are fragile. Love is a double-edged sword, and the only certainty is the unpredictability of the mafioso samurai. Will Julian find redemption, or will he succumb to the ruthless dance of power and deception? Embark on this thrilling journey with mafioso samurai. Join me in a world where danger lurks around every corner. This is just a thing now. Mm. <laughs> to be fair, it looks cool. I like the artwork you've got for it. Very dystopian. I love a good dystopia, does me. My vision of the future, my ideal future, is somewhat of a dystopia, actually. Sorry, someone in the chat said that, uh, where, where is it? I want to go home, I want to go home, crew is an asshole, I want to go home. Now, it might be an asshole, but you'd be amazed at how, how amazing it looks after you've lived in Swindon for long enough. Yeah, Swindon is, you know, you've heard of Stockholm Syndrome. Swindon Syndrome's way worse. It's so much worse. Hi guys, I actually have a question for once. That's what this video is supposed to be for. I'd oh like to get a present for someone Shamed. who's of the generation who bought a house when they cost the same as the average way. He loves to tell me how difficult it was dealing with a 12% mortgage on a whopping 22 grand and that I should be grateful that I'm only paying 3% and 275. And that's after a deposit I could have bought four houses with had I been around at his time. I'm looking for a book that very clearly makes the point that house prices now are just disgusting. Any suggestions? I, I, the, the question of house prices is like the fundamental thing that makes me the most mad. 
because I would like a house because it's sort of a prerequisite for starting a family um, as well as having, you know, a family in the first place. But it, it's almost infuriating to think about just how much houses have gone up in price. And I think there's lots and lots of different reasons. It's something that would probably take a multi-part series to break down. But I th- I'm pretty sure that Dan has a brokenomics where he talks to some housing developers and he talks mm. about the housing problem. That would probably be the place to go. Yeah rather than um, a book, because I haven't really read many books on the housing situation. But Josh can barely read at all. Yeah, I'm completely illiterate. Um, it was really difficult when I was reading and writing all those research papers at university. I was just like, what are these funny symbols? I'm glad you got over your disability. <laughs> yeah. We're all proud. Thanks, Stelios. <laughs> oh, wait. That, that, that's... You're welcome, Connor. Thank you. Anyway. What's um, going on? Chaos. <laughs> Right, we've got another video comment here. In regards to the Visiting America video, I think it's safe to say that there's a lot of Americans on both left and the right that think the tipping culture is dumb and they should just pay people a good, fair wage, that it shouldn't be a low amount plus tip. Uh, Thanks and God bless you guys. So yeah, this is a response to Callum and Carl's um, Brits Going to an America video, I imagine. And I've always been, uh, you know, I'm Steve Buscemi at the start of... Mr. Uh, Pink. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't agree with tipping, um, except if I think they've done a good job. Then I'm like, okay, I worked as a waiter once. It does make your day better, makes your job easier. And it's normally a small gesture. It's not like loads. I don't like... I don't pull out a calculator and just like, what's 12.5%? I've got to leave precisely that. It's like, ah, whatever I feel like. From, from my experience working behind bars, too many of them adopt commie tipping strategies these mm. days where if you get a tip that's been given to you specifically because of the good service that you've provided, they make you put it in the jar so it can get that. all split up by Christmas. And taxed. And that means that if you stop working there before Christmas, you don't get it at all. Somebody else gets your hard-earned tip. Oh, and, it's, it's and even scam. then it always ends up being less than what you originally got anyway when, even when they do divvy it up so that's rubbish but tips they are nice to get I categorically refuse to give mine over which is like they specifically said for me I'm not going to give it to you and what are you going to do like, well you're going to I'm going to give you bad shifts is what ended up happening Soviet behaviour mm-hmm. leave Sophie alone <laughs> Thank you, Harry. Although I'm just having a laugh at the chat. As any sensible person should, I'm just having a laugh. And I know that I opened myself up to it because I like to pretend that I'm a comedian, so I'm making all of those jokes and I'm just having a laugh. Although, guys in the chat right now, you're simping for a pretty mid-Danish person with a potato (laughs) accent. You need to go outside. I know not looking like Mr. Potato Face is enough to be an automatic 10 these days, but go outside. I'm not that special. Very self-deprecating. Yeah, a bit, a bit cruel to yourself there. Yeah, but No need for that. But uh, Yeah, don't, telling the chat not to simp. Yeah, simp for me instead. I'm okay with go. it. Yeah. Restore order. That's how it all started. Hey, guys. I've actually wanted to make a video game for a very long time. Here's a video game that I made for a major project in university. Here's screen caps from a video game I was trying to make during my PhD. 
work that I've done recently for world building on my books. And if there are other Lotus Eaters viewers who have know-how and passion, reach out to me on my website and we can talk. If you don't know the website, guys, tell them. Is it, you said it so many times, it's almost, it's, I think, craigcooper.com, isn't it? Yeah, something like this. cscooper.au. Yes, yeah. There you that's go. That's it. Um, but I, I think this is a good idea. Like getting audience members to collaborate with one another in their projects. I think that's um, yeah. very good. I think you should be doing that. If you've got stuff you're working on, have a, a shared passion. Oh, so, here's John yep. pulling it up. Also, Craig, you, go, you seem plug. like a very multi-talented person, so good on you. There it is. There he is. That's what this whole thing, this whole Lotus Eaters operation has been a front for cscooper.au this whole time. That's who we really work for, guys. People have been asking, and it's all CS Cooper. And it's, it's Big Coop. That's who oh. we work for. Dot uh, com dot dot com dot a a u. Thanks, really, John. Really making sure to get the shill in for it. <laughs> yeah, John. Have you paid off John? I think he's he's really helped you out. By the way, um, is it all right if we carry on a little bit longer to read some comments? Okay, yeah. not too long. I don't want to miss out the comments. I always feel bad. Uh, so we've got some sort of honourable mentions. Very festive boys, but Stelios wins due to his penguin tie. Thank you. I've got to agree with you there. That was uh, Ross Diggle, uh, Lars, uh, Petter Simonson, uh, podcast eight hundred of them. Podcasts, 800 of them. That's in, of course, Zulu, isn't it? Zulus, thousands of them. That's, that's my terrible impression. I've got a sore throat, all right? Um, <laughs> Jamin says, happy 800th. Actually going to watch live today. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, sorry that you had to stomach a, a live podcast with me. Um, <laughs> Dictator Trump. Let's, I'm going to read a couple of these and uh, move on to some of the other ones. Yep. Omar Awad. Uh, Trump had four years to turn tyrant and specifically did the opposite. They accused him of starting World War III ruining the economy and spreading hatred because they knew that's what they would do in the same position, and they have. Um, as has been demonstrated by the Biden regime, they are always projecting. I 100% agree with you. Um, very astute as always, Omar. Um, but leftists don't have values or standards or, or principles. They just have things that they want to manipulate you with. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bleach Demon says, the fear-mongering over Trump, the routine inflammatory remarks about Trump supporters, and the general rage of the left when they don't reign over America in this case. What room is there but for a repeat of the fiery but mostly peaceful protests of the leftists? I genuinely fear that American uh, left shall be openly engaging in violence the next time they don't get their way and paint anyone as oppressive fascists who doesn't join the orgy of violence. Wouldn't be the first time in the past five years. I get the impression that if they do it again, people are going to be like, we're not going to put up with this again. Um, you're, you're a country with the most firearms in the world per capita. I think civil disobedience can be dealt with. Um, you know, you can keep your family safe if there are people trying to burn it down, is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, um, one more comment. Eric Nickerson says, America is more fascist under Biden than it ever was under Trump. I mean, where is the lie? So Under things could be better... Ethelstan95 says the argument that the NHS will be removed are, is arguably a great argument in favor of the program. Certainly for anyone who's used it any time in the last five years, I can certainly agree with you there. Happily, happy to see that false idol collapse and allow for people to choose between various options rather than be conscripted into the socialist hellhole that is the NHS waiting list. Oh, you're speaking my language here. NHS should serve the UK. The UK does not serve the NHS. Absolutely. Great way of framing it. Justin B., Police probably don't arrest the drill gangs as it would involve having to actually listen to their music. 
That's their defense mechanism, like an immune system. You know what? I forgive them. Omar Awad, Christ, we're going to get two plus two equals five for healthcare. Defund the NHS. Absolutely. Oh, genies. Omar again. It took 40 years to reveal the systematic grooming and rape of young girls in Britain. Imagine just what else was getting swept under the rug. There must be countless undocumented abuses by the uncarers in the NHS. I can't say anything for certain, but it would not shock me. Nicholas Valentine, I didn't realize you needed to be a doctor or engineer to be a delivery driver or to serve awfuls in Pret. Must be extremely difficult work. Seriously, though, I've yet to meet someone who is against migrants who integrate. It always seems to be the dregs that form their own enclaves or rely too much on DEI to settle in. Well, the fact of the matter is that it doesn't really matter where they're coming from. If you allow people in from a particular ethnic group in far too large numbers, they will face much less pressure to actually fit in with the rest of the culture around them. Obviously, this is made much uh, uh, less problematic if it's mainly coming from the EU because they already have cultures that are much closer to ours. But you still want to be intelligent if you're going to allow migration into your country and make sure that you aren't creating these gigantic political blocks of people who have opposite goals or aims to you and opposite culture to you. I'll do one, one more. Baron von Warhawk says, honestly, I'm not surprised by this spirit nonsense. The NHS is so bloated, nonsensical, and incompetent that they should turn to prayer and rituals if they li- uh, as if they lived in Warhammer 40k. It's good to know that if Harry ever has a stroke, thanks for that thought, <clears throat> in his modern nation state, the only one who can he- help him is a tribal witch doctor named Mumbo Jumbo to heal him with voodoo powers. <laughs> if well, you keep on eating four cookies a day, you're gonna... Oh, it's far more than there. four. Okay, so Aaron Wells, I find it hilarious that Candy makes the accusation that white people can't see themselves in anyone who looks different, when in pop culture you're seeing legacy characters being replaced (laughs) because they're unrelatable to minorities. We never had that problem before. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Tyler T, I've been seeing a lot of tweets showing the original Florida video clips compared to the replications in the GTA video. Seems like they were just recreating documented Florida moments with this one. <laughs> Arizona. To be fair, I want to see. Sorry, um, to cut you off there. Um, I want to see the sort of Florida man be a central character of, of something like robbing a, a bank with an alligator, which is a true news story, by the way, uh, that happened in Florida. I like the idea that Tyler is going. This GTA video has been fact checked by true Floridian <laughs> patriots. <laughs> and last one, Arizona Desert Rat says, uh, "Don't know about y'all." But when I go to the gym, I'm focused on myself and my workout. I don't care about the color of the skin of the person on the machine next to me. Yeah, That's why I care you're not about getting your gains. I care about the quantity. <laughs> I care about the quantity of sweat that emanating on the equipment I'm about to use. That's the only that thing I really care to about. Pay attention yeah. to. Make sure that people around you are wiping down their bloody equipment. Yeah. So the moral of the, of today is wipe down your equipment. That's when you're at the advice. gym. Cover Just in tra- general. Cover yeah. your traces. That sounds like a euphemism, doesn't it? But anyway, on that rather low note, um, thank you very much for watching and uh, make sure to tune in same time, 1pm Greenwich Mean Time uh, tomorrow to uh, watch whoever is on then. Thank you and goodbye. I think it's Right Said Fred. Oh yeah, them. Bye. Bye. Bye.